The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 817, of course, today Valentine's Day, today February the 14th, and also Heart Month. And joining us this morning, we have a cardiac surgeon in studio, Dr. Clements from Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Good morning and uh, happy Valentine's Day to all the listeners and uh, happy Valentine's Day to my wife if she's actually tuned in. <laughs> so I'm curious, what got you into this field of study? Well, I am, uh, I'm from East Tennessee. I'm from Chattanooga and um, I am a third generation physician actually. My, uh, my grandfather uh, was a general practice physician. Uh, he passed away oh, many years ago, almost 40 years ago. Um, but he was a general practice physician up in, uh, up in uh, Palmer and Greatly Lager in Grundy County and uh, uh, moved to Chattanooga uh, to practice uh, when my dad and my uncle were, I guess, in elementary school. And uh, my dad's a, a vascular surgeon, retired uh, in Chattanooga. Uh, and, um, when I was in, in high school, we decided, my twin brother and I decided that, uh, we wanted to, uh, observe an op- operation and, uh, they, uh, at the time, the, the, uh, restrictions for, uh, obs- observers and, and, uh, uh, people to come into the operating rooms were a little, uh, less stringent than they are now. I, I can imagine. And, uh, so, uh, we stood on the. Stone on risers behind the surgeon that was putting in a, uh, a, a kidney. Uh, it was a kidney transplant. They brought this little black thing in that was dark and, and wasn't doing anything. Sewed it into the, into the patient, and it pinked up and started making urine. And uh, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to <laughs> do something like that. And uh, so I went to college uh, and med school and, and through my uh, – the residency training, which was a total of 11 years, um, I figured out that I was best suited for uh, a very highly technical field in, in uh, cardiac surgery. And in cardiac surgery, it, it's obviously quite different from a lot of other types of surgery because you're dealing with an organ that literally keeps us alive. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there, the, there's a, a fascinating well, if you're a cardiac surgeon, it's probably fascinating, <laughs> but there's a fascinating history to uh, uh, cardiac surgery in, in the United States with, uh, with the advent of uh, Walt Lillehigh and his cross-circulation operating on uh, babies with uh, um, congenital heart defects that first happened at the University of Minnesota and then the Mayo-Gibbon uh, um, cardiopulmonary bypass machine that was developed at uh, – at the Mayo Clinic, uh, in, in ways that we can work around having to stop the patient's heart and, and uh, uh, provide uh, pulmonary capacity as well. And by the way, for those listening, if you have any questions, you can text those in at 615-893-1450. So uh, cardiac surgeries, how many surgeries would you say you perform each year and and how in-depth are the majority of those surgeries? Every one of these surgeries is um, a very in-depth, um, big operation. All of our patients go to the intensive care unit 
for a day or so after the operation. Uh, the vast majority of them are done through the breastbone. Uh, uh, there are some operations that we can do through the side uh, to get to the to aspects of the heart. Uh, I would say that on a good year, uh, in my previous practice, I would do somewhere between uh, 350 to 400 operations. Um, that's a little bit outside the normal for cardiac surgeons. Um, I think probably here at Rutherford, we're going to start uh, pretty slowly and uh, would hope to be doing uh, somewhere around 200 a year per surgeon uh, within the next five years. Wow. And I know surgeries for the heart specifically have typically been done at St. Thomas's branch in Nashville, mm-hmm. but that is going to be something that's going to be available here in the future, right? Yes. You know, the, it, Rutherford County, Murfreesboro, the the whole, uh, this part of the middle Tennessee is just exploding in in population and i think that it's uh, a service that the hospital has been wanting to provide for quite some time and uh, they finally decided that uh, that the time timing was right and so we are starting a new program but all of us we've accumulated a few people so far on our team all of us are uh, very experienced in cardiac surgery i've been doing this since 2005 um, our primary PA, Luke Parham, has been uh, involved in operative care of the patients uh, and patient care uh, for about 15 years. And our nurse practitioner, Hallie McNew, has uh, also been uh, involved in patient care for well over 10 years. Again, Dr. Clements with us this morning, and we already have a text message here. It says, I have to undergo bypass surgery tomorrow. Is that something where they actually stop the heart? Typically, uh, the the heart is stopped. Uh, A medication called cardioplegia is administered and the heart is cooled off. Uh, The heart muscle is arrested in the phase called diastole, which is where the muscle is relaxed. And then the heart is kept cold. And so the muscle is protected while the bypass surgery is being performed. Some surgeons, uh, more limited now um, than in the past, uh, about 20 years ago, the uh, the concept of doing an off-pump uh, or beating heart bypass surgery uh, was was done quite a bit. But as a profession, we've sort of cooled off and moved away from that. And, of course, these bypass surgeries are done on a daily basis all across the United States and across the world. They're so much safer, I would say, compared to, like you were saying, just 20 years ago, how things have changed. Mm -hmm. Well, Rene Favolero was an Argentinian surgeon who popularized the technique in 1970 um, at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, For reference, that's uh, one year older than I am alive. (laughs) (laughs) So... And I've been alive. So yeah, it's it's a it's an incredibly safe surgery. It's the the most common uh, heart operation that is done, uh, and uh, it's done very very well around the country. And when somebody learns they have to go through such a surgery like that, it, do they usually have some set of warning signs ahead of time to say you know something's wrong here? Typically, it's angina, um, which is chest pain. So atypical angina or typical angina, um, a lot of our patients didn't read the textbooks 
So, um, but the textbooks were written um, many years ago about a certain segment of the population that you know obviously we don't we don't we don't always see. So, uh, chest pain, dull, aching pressure behind the sternum. Uh, pressure pain when you get up and start moving around um, that's the body telling you that you're not the heart's not getting enough oxygen blood supply i think this is where it gets confusing for a lot of patients because when you're thinking about chest pain so many people have heartburn and even you know muscle pain within their chest so it, it's when you describe you know it's behind the sternum how would you go about describing that to a patient who comes in and says I've got chest pain, and that's about all they tell you. Well, the classic is I have an elephant sitting on my chest. So it actually feels like a, a pressure. It's a pressure. Yeah, that's and, and, and it radiates up into the jaw or down the left arm. Uh, but, again, uh, there are many, many different conditions that can be mimicked uh, by uh, chest pain or angina. And will that chest pain or that feeling of heaviness on the chest increase within exerting uh, like exercising or, or just simply walking up the steps, will it usually hurt worse then? Typically. So those are, I guess, things yeah, to look I mean, out for. Typically, exertional symptoms uh, worsened with exertion or uh, any sort of activity and, and typically uh, remits uh, or eases up when you, uh, when you sit down and stop doing stuff. <laughs> and I'm sure you, you've got patients that come in all the time who simply say, I'm concerned about a chest pain I've been having. But how many times out of 10 do you send the person home feeling much better saying, well, it, it, it's not your heart? Well, I, you know, as a cardiac surgeon, most of our patients are, are seen by their primary care doctors and then the cardiologist. And then they, they go through a fairly extensive workup. So they're far beyond that. They're point. far beyond <laughs> that by the time they get to us. Um, you know, they, they know they have a problem and they're coming to us to, uh, to, to fix that problem. So for us, most, mostly it's a, it's a discussion of, yes, you have this. Yes, this is the best uh, course of action, course of treatment. Your cardiologist thinks that because uh, he or she referred you to us. And, and we're going to sit down and talk to you about the operation. In this day and age, are you seeing younger patients come in or are you seeing you know, a lot older patients come in because of medicines that help them along the way? mostly older patients now um we uh our indications for operation uh have expanded in in certain age groups as those age groups are living longer and living better uh so when i started this it would have been pretty rare for us to operate on a on an 85 year old Uh, we have 85 year olds who are still working in their yard working on their farms uh that have exertional angina and if they uh if they pass the eyeball test <laughs> then um then we we can offer them an operation it's wild to imagine an 85 year old could go in there with a bad heart you fix it and they're literally out in the garden at age 86 yes that yeah. happens it, it does happen and it's uh it's incredibly rewarding uh to, to take somebody who is limited by their um symptoms uh and and heart disease and get back out there Go to their kids' basketball games, sporting events, uh, grandkids, great-grandchildren, not their kids. but It's pretty cool. It is. And, and medicine has changed greatly over the years. Procedures have changed greatly, I'm sure, as well. 
Uh, Dr. Clements on the air with us this morning. He is a cardiac surgeon. Here's a question, a little bit off subject, but it's, it's asking, it says, uh, for years, my uh, son has been on ADHD medication known as Adderall. Is there any risk in that damaging his heart over time? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that uh, all of the stimulants can cause hypertension, high blood pressure, and that can lead to a thickening and stiffening of the heart muscle. Um, best thing to do is talk to uh, the prescriber of that medication. And if you have questions further, uh, see one of our cardiologists. Next question, a little more on subject. It says here, I have had a triple bypass surgery. Uh, fortunately, never had a heart attack. Am I more susceptible to having a heart attack in the future? And is there anything I can do to reduce the risk of a heart attack? Well, unfortunately, we don't cure coronary disease. We just palliate it. Uh, we palliate it very well. Um, anybody that's, that's had a bypass is more susceptible to further coronary events. But we do the operation so you can return to being the person that you want to be, that you can live the life that you want to live. Um, well over 300,000 bypasses are done in the United States a year. And the hope for all of those patients is they get out there and they live their lives. Um, from a preventative standpoint, um, take the medications that you're prescribed. Manage your risk factors. Risk factors for, for coronary disease, uh, male, uh, getting older, um, smoking, high blood pressure or hypertension, uh, bad lipids, uh, bad cholesterol. Uh, that's, there's a wide variety of things that encompass that. Uh, and then uh, diabetes. And uh, did I mention smoking? <laughs> yeah. uh, smoking is, is like throwing Scott's Turf Builder on, on, uh, on hardening of the arteries. Now, is it just smoking or nicotine all nicotine. I, I mean, it it what, appears what to be the, uh, the, the, the chemicals that we inhale that really are the accelerant for it. And, uh, you know, you hear things like triple bypass surgery in this case. What are the different, you know, categories of bypass surgery that, that you do have? Well, so, you know, the, the heart has uh, uh, two main arteries that come off the aorta. They're the first branches of the, of the aorta, the right and left coronary. Um, and the, the left coronary has the left main and splits into two um, tributaries, so to speak, the, the left anterior descending and the circumflex. Both of those have branches. So we, we look at cardiac bypasses. I don't look at anyone that needs one bypass versus needing seven bypasses as anyone's worse off or better off. It's just their pattern of disease and how can we best get blood supply to that muscle so the the heart muscle uh, isn't uh, uh, ischemic meaning uh, lack of lack of oxygen now going back to something you mentioned a second ago talking about people being on the right medications for for things uh, like blood pressure you know if their blood pressure is too high if they get on the right medications early stay on them then that's going to help out a lot in the long run right yes I, again mitigation of your risk factors will help prevent um, coronary disease. And what numbers, let's say a male versus a female, what numbers should they be looking at as far as blood pressure, you know, between let's, I don't know, 40 and 50 years old and then 50 and 60? What, what are good numbers and what's bad? 
so anything above uh, the top number, which is your systolic blood pressure, anything really above 125, 130 is considered hypertension and needs to be pretty aggressively managed. And the same with diastolic uh, blood pressure. Anything above 80 consistently um, is diastolic hypertension and, and needs to be treated. So I like to maintain um, patient's blood pressure if I'm treating it uh, at or below 120 over 80, which is sort of the, the standard uh, that, that we're given for, for that. Um, I think hypertension really is a silent killer uh, it, it affects your end organs uh, in ways that you don't realize until decades after you've had had issues. And that bottom number is that the amount of pressure within the vein, or what? What is that bottom number? The bottom number is the tone or the pressure within the arteries um, when the heart's at rest. Okay, so that again, a very important number to look at. I would say yes. Okay. Yeah, both of them are really makes makes sense that's why they would have both numbers i guess right. <laughs> dr clements with us this morning from Assision st thomas rutherford here in murfreesboro and uh, in just a second we'll talk a little bit more about the new program that is going to be at st thomas here locally and we'll take more questions as well you can text us at 615-893-1450 time right now 834 we will be right back get it later from the paper or get it now from the radio wgnsradio.com we're news radio wgns 100.5 101.9 online and on your phone at wgnsradio.com if I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. Whether you're a brand new hobbyist or have been into aquariums for a long time, we have all of the supplies to either get you started or keep you going. One of the best things about coming to Animal City is the knowledgeable and caring staff. We are here to help you with all your pet needs. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. So many people buy so many different things. You know, I go out to eat and I like eating steak, where my wife will end up getting our salmon. Our salmon is cut fresh, so she loves our salmon. It's one of those places that you can go, you can get pastas or chicken, you know, the kids love it. Get what you want at Demas's Restaurant and not be limited just to one or two items. Join our family at Demas's Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance, we personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. Hey girl, <laughs> I'm the cute one, here to tell you how Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. I'm the heartthrob. The only thing I love more than you is saving. And I'm the other boy in the band everyone forgot about. Just happy to be only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.36 on this Valentine's Day, and uh, Heart Month is this month, and our in-studio guest today is Dr. Clements. He is a cardiac surgeon with Ascision St. Thomas, and uh, St. Thomas Rutherford, in fact, is getting a new program, and and they're getting new equipment in. Um, Tell us a little bit about what is happening here at the hospital. So it's it's very exciting time at the hospital. We are starting a cardiac surgery program. This is to... uh, complement our uh, our sister uh, program at uh, St. Thomas West in, in Nashville. Um, and we hope to uh, provide the same level of service uh, that the surgeons there provide, uh, with the exception of the advanced heart failure um, uh, operations, i.e. Uh, ventricular assist device and, uh, and cardiac transplant, which um, really need to be offered in a, uh, in a quaternary program. Uh, referral center so the ability for the different heart surgeries here locally are going to i mean it's going to be huge and and life-changing for sure yes we're we're, we will offer all facets of of uh, modern uh, cardiac surgery so somebody who lives here lives in let's say shelbyville manchester whatever their choices are either going to nashville or going i guess to chattanooga right now right and and uh you know we would like to offer uh Rutherford as a as a third choice um, within uh, St. Thomas Heart and St. Thomas uh, Network. So this is definitely a big deal for sure for our area. I think so. Uh, by 2035 to 2045, I believe the population here is supposed to be around 500,000 residents, which it means we are definitely going to need a whole lot more medical care. Yes, I, I think that you know the the hospital will continue to expand as the as the population expands. Again, if anybody has any questions, they can text them to us at 615-893-1450. One of the questions that I, I mentioned to you off the air was about high caffeine drinks, uh, highly caffeinated sports drinks, or or highly caffeinated energy drinks. How dangerous are those, especially for those who are teenagers? Well, I, you know, I think that you have to look at it as in relation to the amount of caffeine that you're ingesting. And, and uh, I don't know the amounts offhand. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, but I would, I would caution, um, especially teenagers, to try to avoid uh, caffeine toxicity. And the common symptom of that is I'm feeling really anxious or jittery, or I feel like my heart's about to beat out of my chest and run around the room. So I think there's more um, uh, more potential for cardiac arrhythmias, um, abnormal heart rhythms, uh, with uh, with a highly caffeinated uh, teenager than than any sort of real damage. Um, but I would again um, caution the teens to have maybe one a day. If, if they can't cut them all all out <laughs> completely. This next person says, I have SVT. Does that put me at an increased risk for anything uh, going wrong with my heart in the future? What What, what is SVT? Uh, first SVT is supraventricular tachycardia, where the, uh, um, the heart beats fast, uh, secondary to a, a focus, an abnormal electrical impulse that arises above the level of the ventricle. So at the AV node or above in the atria, uh, technical. Um, not typically. This is something that the, uh, that the electrophysiologist can uh, manage and manage very well. 
and is not typically associated with valvular um, or uh, arterial issues. So something like that, it, it seems like that could throw somebody into anxiety as well, though. Uh, is anxiety yes. a, a big problem when it comes to the cardiac field and trying to differentiate between an anxiety attack versus are you having a heart attack? And, and I know you, you on the surgery side, you don't see it as much, but is that a big issue? Yeah, I think it gives the, uh, the primary care doctors, um, the primary care providers, the nurse practitioners, PAs that also see patients and the emergency medicine docs, I think it gives them a lot of difficulty sometimes distinguishing uh, because not everybody shows up with the classic anginal symptoms that we talked about uh, earlier. It's, I just don't feel right. Uh, my heart feels funny. My chest feels funny. Um it, so it's it's harder to diagnose than than we uh, than we appreciate at times. So for somebody who suffers from anxiety, are there certain things that they could just kind of look at and think about before rushing to the emergency room? Mitigating factors, precipitating factors, and uh, you know if if it's chest pain and the chest pain is unrelenting, then I still think they need to get to the uh, to the emergency department. Definitely. Again, Dr. Clements on air with us. And the next question, if uh, you have needed bypass surgery, does this increase the risk of other relatives inheriting heart disease? So I guess talking about uh, going from one generation to another heart problems. Certainly it could. Um, you know, the uh, hereditary factors uh, play into um into your risk factors for uh, cardiac uh, coronary disease, um, mainly, you know, what you get from mom and dad. Um, they, they give us a lot of wonderful things, but sometimes they give us some genetic gifts that, that aren't as pleasant. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, if you have a strong family history, uh, if you have anybody in your family that for a male has had uh, coronary disease under the age of 55, for women under the age of 65, uh, that's defined as early onset, and that can be uh, hereditary or familial. Another question is about drinking two glasses of wine a day. Uh, apparently, that is something that people have thought for a long time that helps you. And they're asking, is it helpful to the heart to have one or two glasses of wine a day? And if so, is it red wine? Potentially. Uh, the red wine, I believe, is is more cardio protective than white wine or sparkling wine there are some uh health downsides to to drinking every day uh you know with uh especially with your liver so i would i would advise moderation and uh i wouldn't go into drinking uh red wine with the idea that i'm really doing something great for my heart because there's the flip side of it well what what if you're drinking six to seven to ten glasses of wine a day i mean there's right so it obviously like you were saying in moderation yes things can help but not always right and what are some of the biggest issues you see locally i mean is it the triple bypass surgery or are there things that are maybe less invasive that people need help with well i think you know my practice is skewed towards operations, so I tend to see the patients that we think would benefit from uh, from bypass surgery. Uh, I think, uh, like all communities in the South, we have um, a wide range of 
lifestyle issues. Um, we're overweight. Uh, we don't exercise enough. Um, we eat too many things that aren't good for us. Uh, so I think, you know, the coronary disease is just part and parcel of our southern lifestyle. When it comes to exercise, will something as simple as a one to, let's say, three-mile walk every day or every other day, will, will that literally do wonders for your body in the long run? Absolutely. And if you have any uh, tips on how to make that happen for most of us, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm receptive because I struggle with that as well. It, it's hard, especially, yes. I, I'm sure, with some of your hours, I'm sure they're kind of crazy. But, yeah, I, I would say it's hard for the average person to set aside enough time to, to actually to do that walking every day well you know the the behavioral experts tell us that it takes at least 30 days to ingrain a habit i think it probably takes longer than that i think it's probably more 60 to 90 days so if you look at 90 days that's a a fourth of the year (laughs) i mean that's a long time to establish a habit it is and at what age i know you said you are sometimes working on folks who are 85 years old but is there an average age of the person who typically comes in for, let's say, a triple bypass surgery? Offhand, I don't know. Uh, most of our patients are in their late 60s and uh, 70s. Okay, so late 60s, 70s, but then you got to look back, I guess, at their lifestyle and say, well, did you do this, this, and this? Or, you know, what were you eating all those years before? Uh, because diet, exercise, all those things play a role, obviously, in this. Yeah, it, and, you know, we're living longer, and, and as I said, we're living better, so we're aging into some of these problems. Um, take, for instance, uh, aortic stenosis, blockage of the aortic valve. Um, it's a Aortic stenosis is a progressive, universally fatal, if untreated, condition. Um, but we're seeing a lot of 80s and even 90-year-olds that are having aortic stenosis. Um, and fortunately, that is something that can be treated uh, without a, a, a sternotomy now. Uh, can be treated percutaneously uh, with cardiac surgeons and the cardiologist. It's what's called a, a transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And that is something that we're going to ultimately offer at Rutherford as well. And do we have any timeline on when some of these new procedures will be able to take place here locally in Murfreesboro? hopefully within the month of march we're you know depending on um uh reconfiguring and updating our operating rooms uh, and there's some surgery going on or not surgery but construction yes going on there's right now. construction that's going to be going on very soon uh pending plan review by the department of health and with some of the new heart programs that are going to be offered here in murfreesboro new equipment is that something else that's coming in yes the hospital has uh, uh, purchased quite a bit of equipment uh, to be able to provide this uh, this service line and and it's it's coming in and you know it's we're uh, we're there's a lot of stuff coming in it's it's exciting so when making a decision to bring in new equipment when a hospital is is looking at that do they first talk to all the different doctors or all the different surgeons to say you know here are some ideas what direction do you think we should head i mean how do you go about making decisions on on new equipment well i think you know one you have to uh, make sure that that's going to provide a benefit for your patient population and and then once you once you've assessed that both from a medical standpoint and you know it's a business too so the 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 hospital uh, administrators have to make sure that they're not just 
throwing money away on things that aren't going to provide a benefit to the patient population. Um, you, you, you make a business plan, uh, you make a plan with your, with your, um, within your service line and, and then you go for it. Obviously that equipment's very expensive. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of that equipment's, you know, into the millions. Yes. I'll, I'll add it up. Yes. So a lot of big decisions that yes. are being made here locally, but the, the positive side of all this is that new procedures will be able to be offered right here that are life-saving, life-changing procedures. Yes, and, and you know, not just for the, the, the folks here in Rutherford County, but for those in the surrounding counties as well. Uh, again, we hope to provide the same level of service, uh, and we will provide the same level of service as, as St. Thomas West. Another question here says, you talked about smoking cigarettes, increasing risk of heart disease. Is that true with vaping and chewing tobacco? Uh, vaping, I think we, we haven't figured out yet exactly how bad that's going to be for us since it's relatively new. Um, there are some chemicals in some of the, the vapes that uh, seem to cause a lot of pulmonary problems. Uh, and, you know, I think we're going to see some spectacular lung issues in a few years, and this is just me talking off the cuff, um, spectacular lung issues uh, in in people that have been vaping for heavily for quite some time. I think chewing tobacco um, doesn't necessarily increase your risk as much as smoking, but it does have other risks, uh, uh, head and neck cancer, uh, oral cancer, tongue cancer, that sort of thing. I, I guess there is so much unknown about vaping and you know electronic cigarettes right now because first of all you've got some coming up from overseas and you don't know what's necessarily in them. There doesn't appear to be good regulation on uh, what chemicals are are in the vapes. Another thing we're seeing in some states are what they call dab pens with forms of synthetic marijuana in them that are being smoked, and and I don't know if there's been any studies on that yet either. I don't know. I you know I think the the wide variety of so manufacturers right yeah, yeah. It, it it's a ever changing world of course that we live in, and uh, it, it's interesting though that. You can look at things like even energy drinks and, and see where that could potentially cause some problems for some folks. And then you look at vaping. I mean, there's just so much out there. Uh, again, these are all lifestyle things. And, you know, uh, uh, we want to live well and we want to live uh, a good life. We want to enjoy ourselves. But I think everything in moderation. It seems like looking back, let's say, 50 years ago, uh, those who were growing up in that era, they didn't have as many, I don't know, uh, things that they could gravitate towards uh, like vaping. I mean, you had just regular old cigarettes, which are just as bad, of course, but, but you didn't have as many things out there that could potentially make you sick. No, absolutely. I, I think, you know, as as we've progressed, our technology has progressed with us, and some of that technology can be potentially unhealthy unhealthy so when you're looking at a, a new patient and they're about to undergo some type of procedure with with heart surgery um are, are you uh, with mris today with with the the different scans that can be done are you able to first get a better look before actually going in to decide exactly how extensive this may be compared to technology 
uh, from x-ray type machines you know just a few years back absolutely we do a, a pretty thorough risk assessment uh, ex- extremely thorough risk assessment on on our patients prior to taking them to the operating room uh, the society of thoracic surgeons uh, has a database which we participate in and uh, we can we can pretty much calculate your um, your risk for a lot of the a lot of the procedures uh, based on the information that we get up front uh, and that allows us to have a uh, a pretty detailed discussion with the patients and their families regarding the risks of the procedure um, all of our patients are looked at um, extensively not just the heart but the rest of them to make sure that we think that they can tolerate the operation and then after that operation is done if it's a bypass surgery uh, or, or something maybe slightly less extensive what are those recovery steps like so the the biggest thing is protecting the be- breastbone where we uh, put it back together uh, we typically use uh, uh, wires uh, stainless steel wires to to hold the bone together so it'll heal sometimes we use plates and screws just like the orthopedic surgeons Uh, it's kind of fun Um, but uh, the uh, the main thing is protecting the breastbone so there are external precautions uh, things that allow the bone to heal without putting too much stress on on a healing fracture i know one of the things i've heard before is not to drive for x amount of weeks after you have a a bypass surgery i don't know if it's the fear of the the steering wheel hitting you if you were in an accident or is is it the airbag what is it it's both it's uh it's are you in an accident um and and is there a potential problem with the steering wheel or the airbag but it's also if you're if you're sore still and a kid runs out in front of you or you can't avoid an accident because you can't physically just take those those steps to do that now obviously listeners out there would not just call you for their appointment and say hey you know i think i need some surgery here so where should they turn first if they start having problems that they think are heart related well i think the the first step is to uh, is to talk their their primary care provider um, and then uh, potentially uh, one of our cardiologists. Definitely. Again, Dr. Clements with us this morning with Ascision St. Thomas Rutherford. And again, a new heart program is coming to our area, and it will be right here locally at St. Thomas on Medical Center Parkway. And uh, uh, once more, you're hoping to have uh, at least a portion of the program up and running in March, so next month. And then from there, what's next? Well, I think uh, first we establish uh, a uh, the the operative side of the program, and then we move towards opening up our service line uh, for things that having a, uh, a couple of cardiac surgeons around the campus allow the other physicians to uh, to expand how they can treat. Uh, a variety of patients. So, so the new program is going to help out a, a lot of different practices within St. Thomas. I mean, it's, it's going to be more than just the heart, it sounds like, because you're going to be able to send patients from one department to another with even more options. Yes. So good stuff coming for sure. Absolutely. And again, the goal is uh, hopefully to start a lot of this program in March and then go from there and uh, definitely update us on everything happening. Will do. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. At time right now, 8.55. We do have news coming your way next, both local news and a look around the country and around the world with CBS. Again, all of that comes your way next. You're listening to WGNS. A check on that forecast right now.
A wind advisory will go into effect here late this afternoon. We'll see partial sunshine developing this afternoon, high in the upper 60s. South winds gusting as high as 30 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 42. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.